We're into the last 16. England-Germany is coming up on Tuesday and I'm as excited for that as I've been for an England game. I'm not, um, I'm not feeling particularly negative, I don't think. I think England have a really, really good chance. I think it's a good sign that we haven't conceded a goal and that Germany have looked pretty shaky at points. Um, and I'm just, I'm just looking forward to it. Really, really looking forward to it. Um, German football correspondent Jack Lancaster, based in Berlin, uh, kind of takes us through where we were for Germany heading into this tournament and through the group stages, and a uh, little few few bits and bobs here and there as well. Jack, thanks so much for for coming on. Really appreciate it, and I'll catch up with you soon. Josh, can I start by telling you my least favourite football joke? <laughs> Please do. What's the difference between England and a tea bag? I don't know. The tea bag lasts longer in the cup. <laughs> I was told like... this joke after England got knocked out of the 2014 World Cup and I was in Germany and I think England had just lost to, to Italy and then was it Uruguay? And I just thought like that, that was so sad. Were you in Germany for that? I was. I think Natalie and I had just started going out, so I was embarking oh. on the beginning of my of my footballing adventure, um, my continental footballing adventure, and it was actually quite satisfying because it was very weird being in a country where the football team was quite good and people were like easy. It was like easy to get behind the team, and uh, and then I was, you know, England were just so terrible. It is weird, isn't it? Because Germany, like. It's funny because Germany now just seem really, really different. But I think, you know, like, especially that, well, cresting, obviously, with the World Cup, but that era where there's just perpetually tournament after tournament, they're just good and they have great players. Like, that must just be so fun to be in a country where you know, like, oh, yeah, well, we're obviously going to be good this year. Yeah, it was just such a given, like, going to, they have these, like, public viewings where, you know, it's a big screen and then everyone goes. And, like, I hadn't seen, you know, in England, like, the only people that were engaged with football were, like, the... The football fans you know but in Germany it was like it was something for the whole family because you can go there and fundamentally enjoy it and it was this quite nice day out to go and watch the game and it was just an experience that was like completely alien to me and I think that I mean I wasn't in uh, I wasn't in the UK for the last World Cup but it seemed like the UK started to move towards actually having that enjoyment um, quite funny though that Germany obviously didn't because they went out in the group stage after I then bought my niece and nephew Germany kits because I was like I'll get them something that will last a little bit longer and then uh, yeah that was a terrible decision. That's funny I was gonna say have you had that have you ever experienced that anywhere else? No I don't think so um, I think definitely yeah Germany is the place um, but so satisfying when you're somewhere where the team is actually sort of doing well and playing good football and it's like such a nice atmosphere and everyone can kind of get behind it seems very different um or i've never really experienced it in the uk how was it actually or how is it at the moment at the moment it's quite fun i think everyone's my biggest frustration with england and it's not with the team i really like the team i think we're really fun like i'm buzzing that we're still in the tournament like all of those things i think it's like an e it's an easy team to support there's so many likable characters there's so many young players um and that's really great i just hate the way that i everyone has to, you just have to have a, a take, you know? It's like, England, after the Croatia game, it was like, uh, obviously it was good that we won and everyone was really, really happy. But then there were people being like, Croatia aren't good. Why, why are you happy about that? And then England against Scotland, it was like, see, England aren't good. Why, why do you think England are good? Beating Croatia was easy. That's why, why do you expect England to be good? And then when we played against, uh, who did we play in the final group game? Czech Republic. Czech Republic, yeah. Czech Republic, it was like, uh, yeah, well, what, what do you expect? Obviously, England are going to win the group. That's, that's what we should be doing. It's just like, can we not just like enjoy the fact that it's fun, you know, and that we haven't let a goal in? Um, I find that hard. I was going to say, in when when we we finished year 13, 2010, that summer, I had to do some work in the UK, but you lot all went to Amsterdam. Weren't you in Amsterdam when Netherlands for the semi-final or something? Yeah, I think I remember, was it Netherlands-Uruguay? And we were at like some big fan park and Giovanni Van Bronco scored from like 30 yards <laughs> out. And it just went, it just went wild. And someone threw a can of beer, like a, a full can of beer, like, and it was a missile and then hit one of our friends in the head and he just dropped down, but was so happy that he just like sort of sprang back up. I think in retrospect, it was actually really dangerous, but hilarious at the time. 
Yeah, that is horrendous. Yeah, I mean, the World Cup in 2018, so you in, you in Germany all that summer, all, all for that tournament. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember, actually, uh, I was really surprised how far England went. And then on the day of the Croatia game, I decided that I should go and buy an England shirt. <laughs> and I basically, like, no joke, I cancelled three meetings <laughs> and went out and I was like, I'll nip to decathlon. And uh, they didn't have any there. And they were like really bemused as to why I would be wanting to buy one. <laughs> and then uh, it was like, at some point I was, I'd sort of gone in too deep. And then I went to five different shops and traveled like across Berlin and came back to the office four hours later um, <laughs> and wasn't able to buy one. And I was like really gutted, but I had gone, I had just gone in for it so hard because I was like, I'm going to get an England shirt. And uh, I still don't have one actually. For the game on, on Tuesday, I'm planning to wear my, my Arsenal shirt with Per Mertesacker on the back for classic, just pure mediation. <laughs> yeah, because that summer, that was like, that was the closest thing to like just magic that I've experienced. Like every single day, the weather was unbelievable. The football was great. It was just England shirts everywhere. It'd get to like three o'clock, ten past three, even though the kickoff would be at eight and I would just leave work to be like, well, I can't work, there's football, so I'm just, I can't do anything else. Um, and that was... was the country united, do you think? Like, did, did it actually sort of do something for like a national, it's a bit, a bit of a cliche, but like some yeah, kind of national consciousness or something? It probably did. I've seen there's been a, a, quite a few pieces and interviews done about it and everyone's like, particularly two years after Brexit, that's what we needed. Southgate, this statesman to bring everyone together. We were so divided, but we could all get behind this team. There probably is something in that. I don't know how, I, like at no point, in that summer was I thinking this is really what the country needs in terms of its national identity I was just thinking fuck this is so much fun there's loads of Spurs players in this England squad and we're really good that was why I loved it so much do you ever have a problem with like supporting England being kind of positively correlated with, or like it's there's some kind of association with nationalism like that I find quite problematic sometimes with England like I don't tribally I have to support England but like at a country level I don't like England does that make sense yeah yeah of course I think there's different there's different ways to to think about it, aren't there there's like the clear separation between like the football team it's a different badge versus the flag but then when you see the flags and when you see like yeah just the way that it's kind of celebrated particularly by the right-wing press in particular like it is hard and it is a bit just like yeah it's not it's not like you can do it unreservedly you know I think there's an element mm. of it which for the first time as an adult or maybe just someone as, as who's older and thinks about football and thinks about all of these things you can do it a bit more and that was definitely there for the first time I think in in 2018 but I'm not sure you know like will will we ever really be able to have like positive nationalism without elements of fascism jingoism probably not yeah, that's true. I do feel like, you know, if England win, I mean, it's not going to happen, but if we <laughs> if we do win, there is going to be some of this kind of like, or, or I imagine there might be this kind of pro-Brexit thing, you know, it's just like, oh, we've done it, we've got ourselves out of Europe, and now we've conquered the continent, like, yeah. and that's something I'm kind of, kind of fearful of, but I mean, anyway, that's probably a different avenue than we want to go down today. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I think, yeah, potentially, I also don't know how much... I mean, like that's just like Brexit as a thing is just not, it's just not high profile. It's not major. There's like elements of it which are being talked about, but everything is just coronavirus, Matt Hancock's affair. Like it's just there's just other things, other things that are on the table. Um, I was gonna say for for Germany, my mem my biggest memory, strongest memory of watching Germany in 2018 was at the Bavarian bar uh, on the way to Old Street. Have you been there? Is that the is that Hermann's a German? Something like that. I don't know the name. I don't think I've ever been. Was it good? It was unbelievable. So it was the Sweden game where Cruz scores like free kick in the last minute. And, oh yeah. Like I've never like people like people had like massive steins and were chucking them and glass was smashing. It was <laughs> ludicrous. We were just sitting in the corner like fucking hell. Oh my god. Um, that game was so tense. I mean, that game was sort of basically somewhat predictive of what's happened in this competition as well. Just like. Germany just not being at it and just somehow being able to turn the screw enough to scrape through, I think. Mm. 
What's the what was the mood going into this tournament in Berlin? Like, what were the expectations of this team? Do you think? I mean, I think that that Yogi Löw, like, uh, you know, obviously after the last World Cup, basically everyone thought he should get out. Like, his time is is done. Like, thanks for your hard work. Like, I hadn't realized what I was reading this morning that he's been in the job for seventeen years. Like, that's a, a mad amount of time. Um, with regards to the sentiment of, for this tournament, I think that people feel like there's there, there is a decent team there, and I think it's gone through a good evolution since the last World Cup in terms of they've you know they've flooded some new talent. You've got more like Navary, Harvards, these kind of guys in there, um, and I think they had potential. But I, I think in general the expectations were fairly low for this tournament. I think they thought you know we'll get out the group, um, and then let's see, basically. Mm. Well, we managed to do that. That that uh, well. The, if you think about the Germany games, the Germany France game, when I was watching that, and I like, I did a, we did a podcast on that, me and Yas, so I did watch that one fairly closely. And just the biggest, my biggest takeaway from that game was France didn't really get out of first gear. It's not that Germany were bad, but just like France are just so comfortable here. Germany <laughs> had a chance though, like like Nabry had that chance, like where he he sort of hits it into the ground, it goes over the bar. It would have been really interesting, I think, had Germany scored that to see whether France could have gone to another level. Because I think that France, as you say, like they didn't get out of first gear, but they also haven't really got out of first gear the entire tournament. Like there's a, there's a question whether that is is a little bit like England. Is like is that the case that they they haven't needed to, or is it a case that they sort of can't push themselves out of it? Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I just think that that might. Yeah, there were bits in that game where Mbappe was just like. Should I start a counter attack or should I just like wait and hold the ball? Yeah, I'll just wait and then like keep possession. Yeah, there was there was that Nabry chance. But then in the second game against Portugal, that was just like my favourite game of the tournament so far, definitely. Pure chaos, so such extremes in terms of like Germany being in control and Germany having literally no sense of how to try and stop whoever they were playing against. Um and then the final group game kind of crests with this like <laughs> I don't know, like you know the you know the uh, bit uh, the image of Boris Johnson like bulldozing his his on the bulldozer and he's like get Brexit done. That to me is Lingaresca yeah. arriving late in the box to just sort of like power this shot through this wall of Hungarian players. I'm glad you've brought up Leon Goretzka because I think we have to discuss him as being the most handsome man in the tournament. Really? Okay, wait, no, we'll do that at the end. We'll do that at the end. Um, All right, we've got to devote at least 15 minutes for that. <laughs> we, can, we can talk about Lingueretzka. Um The way that uh, Germany played in the first game, just in terms of this, like the back three and the wing backs, I think you saw really, like it was, it was really, really clear, Kimmich is not, there are, there are large spells in the game that Kimmich just doesn't affect the game. And that's a real, real problem. And then in the Portugal game, there was this like big effort to like, you know, wide crosses, wide crosses and like score, score off the cutbacks. And like, that was, that was really, really clear. And then I just started watching the highlights against Hungary. And there's times where Kimmich is making like runs that Nabry would make, where he's like, it's like they're building up and then it's like a big switch. And Kimmich is like arriving like a winger or like a like an inside forward type thing. Um, is it is it too simplistic to say like if he plays well, Germany play well? I mean, he is. I think that he is probably the most important player in the team. I mean, he's basically filling in that right wing back role. In the, he's a, he's the Philip Lahm, like he's the the contemporary Philip Lahm, right? He, I mean, in an ideal world for them, he would probably be playing in midfield. Although that would be maybe a little bit conservative with three him and Gundogan and and Kroos. Um, I think the problem has been for Germany that like in that right wing back role, it's obviously a very important role, but it implies that if he gets the ball a lot, then what is he going to do? He's basically going to cross the ball. And Germany are like then lumping loads of balls into the box for not, a, not an especially like tall strike force. I mean, Harvard's is like fairly tall, but it's not going to score a bunch of headers. Um, and, and obviously with Nabry um, and Muller next to him, it's like, that's not really the, the kind of combination. And Germany have looked a little bit impotent when, when that's not really working. Um, it worked obviously quite well with like Gorzans coming to the to the back post in the in the Portugal game. It was, it was obviously very threatening, scored the goal that was disallowed and then later scored the header. Um, but I think that Kimmich is, is just such an important player for them. 
Um, if he plays well, Germany tend to to obviously be better. But I think that it, it's not the case that if he plays well, Germany like are guaranteed to be good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Cruz and Gundogan. I get, like from an England perspective, looking at those two, I would think this is a game for Phillips, and this is a game. Well, Mount's been in isolation. I don't know how. I don't. He, he probably will play, but I don't know how confident I'd be that you can just put him straight back in like I'd be thinking Jude Jude Bellingham you know these players from playing against yeah you play in the Bundesliga you play against some of these players regularly you're going to go up against two midfielders who physically you're going to be way way like far superior than let's let's get you like trying to disrupt their 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 willingness to try and play through the middle of the pitch from a Germany perspective how have Kroos and Gundogan performed through the three group games? I think Cruz has been, he's like normal sort of metronomic self where he just like gets the ball and just the quality of the pass is just always so, so high. I think Gundogan hasn't, hasn't been anywhere near as effectual as he has been for City this season. Um, I think that there's an opportunity for England in there. I think the question from England side is like, who plays? Because, I mean, do you go with, I, I, Declan Rice for me is like, He's been, I thought he was so conservative against Scotland, like so conservative. He reminded me of like Granite Shacker in the in the first half of the season, where you're just there's an opportunity to pass forward, which has like is is slightly riskier, but like a, a pass that's like fundamentally like a 20 meter pass between the lines, but you choose not to make it because because you can just pass square or, or pass back to stones or whatever. And I think that there's an opportunity in there. I, I think question is whether Phillips plays, Henderson plays, Bellingham plays. I can't see Southgate playing Bellingham and Henderson together. Like, I think that that would be too much of a change from what he's gone. But I mean, if he probably wants to bring Henderson back in, I think question is whether it's too early for Henderson to do, to do 90 minutes or, or even 60 minutes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I, God, I would love to see Rice... Phillips Bellingham. Do you not think that's quite quite defensive? But I think you saw in the first if in the first game when Phillips was forward, there were times where Phillips was the highest player on the pitch and they were playing balls into him and he was like receiving with his back to goal and setting the ball. Like I don't I think it's it's less about it's less about the fact that like at their clubs they play they play deeper in this team. You can they 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 have the skill sets to not be like that. On the Declan Rice conservative mm. thing, 100 percent that Scotland game was like, just, it was like, it was, it was like, we'll, we'll do anything to not concede a goal. We'll do anything to not lose the ball. And I don't know whether those players enjoy playing like that, but I think there's probably an element where Southgate can, can say that and they can get, a, and he can get away with that with them because he's like, look, we just need to get through the group. As long as we don't concede, as long as we don't lose, we're fine. We're happy. You saw it from the fullbacks as well. Oh, well, I mean, nominally fullbacks like Reese James barely got forwards. Luke Shaw has like not really. Like, there's times where he's like kind of doing his Man United thing, where he just <laughs> just like powers his way down the line, kind of bundles his way, and all of a sudden he's on the edge of their box. But it wasn't like there was a concerted effort to to attack in that game. And I think that if if England have any genuine hope to beat Germany, they that has to be different. Do you think that England will beat Germany through the middle of the park or through the through the wide areas? Because I think Southgate might say he might say, "Yeah, let's play three: um, Bellingham, Bellingham, Rice, uh, Phillips, or Bellingham, Bellingham, Henderson, and and one of the others." And and that might be an opportunity to control that area. But Germany basically get the ball wide as quickly as they can to Kimmich usually and play him sort of as this very very wide central midfielder. I, I wonder what the opportunity is there for England. Yeah, it's a really good question. Did you see Gary Neville's tweet where he was like, this is my yeah. proposed starting lineup? What did you think of that? Maybe it's a bit conservative thing to say, but I wonder whether it is right to change from, from the lineup or like the, from the formation that it has been so far just to go like for like. But I think that that happens, you see it quite often in the Premier League where, where um, or in club football where teams actually start these days to match up formations because otherwise they can get um, overtly controlled in, um, in specific areas. I, I imagine that England will go with a four and I think that the the four at the back, I think the fullbacks will just be quite conservative like and, and basically just be responsible for sort of marking Kimmich and, and Gorsons. Um 
I think the opportunities for England are actually like the German defence. I think German defence has looked so shaky. I mean, Germany have conceded five goals in the tournament. Um, and I think that, you know, in the, in the Hungary game, Ginter was so it was abysmal, abysmal on the, on the second Hungary goal. Hummels was, was pretty poor on the first one. Hummels is, is such an interesting player because he, like, you know, his kind of defending is like this very front foot defending where he, like, reads play incredibly astutely, steps up and will intercept a ball rather than tackling someone. And he did it a couple of times against Hungary. And, and like, then his strategy is play a pass extremely quickly. And like, that used to be incredibly effective, but he's obviously not as fast as he, as he used to be. And there's a real opportunity for England when he steps out like that to play a ball quickly in behind. Like, and that might be actually the opportunity is if you have three people in midfield for England, getting that ball back very quickly and playing it through to, to Sterling and, or Saka, or, or I, I think it probably won't be Foden. Um, because I think that, that Southgate will want someone quicker who can who can run beyond Kane. Mm. So Gary Neville's tweet was England v Germany, uh, James Walker, Stones, Maguire, Shaw, Rice Phillips, Sterling, Kane, Saka. And in response to that tweet was Jack Wilshire. And this is like, this has to be a new genre. Like I, I Jack, Jack Wilshire replying, here you go, mate. Sterling instead of Fonan because he's our only goal scorer at the moment. Uh let's have a go and try and take control of the game and he posted a picture of just like he's written a team on like in in handwriting on a line notebook i was like this is, this is literally how i prepare for my podcast jack wilshire but i loved it love it love it jack wilshire armchair manager of england yeah really 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 funny i think it's i think it's a really good question if i, I would be thinking stick stick with the back four let's put players in midfield and try and have control in that area of the pitch. Um, the way that Hungary scored that first goal in particular, just is that that should be English should be playing that. Like Kane should just be watching that video over and over and over and over over again. Um, I think there's a case to play Reese James just because his delivery is so good. And uh, I think then you can ahead of Trippier. You think? I, I prefer James, James is Trippier. Ahead of Trippier. I think Walker will okay. play. I think Walker will play. But I think you saw the difference. Uh, oh, sorry. In the Croatia game, you saw that there were times where, like, Carl Walker without the ball, fantastic. He reads danger so well. He does it so well for City as well, where he's just in a position where, yeah, he's quick, but he just has to travel, like, two, three steps and he just wins the ball back and England have the ball. But then there's times where you would just so much rather have a great crosser in just in that area. Um so yeah, I, I prefer. I've, I think Rhys James is unbelievable, and I know I play him. But I think you 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 can kind of you say, is it, do England have a better chance to win the game in the middle or win the game wide? I kind of think they can win it in both areas. That's not to say that Germany aren't going to be good. And Gerson's was unbelievable in that um, in that Portugal game. But I think England have. I think England have the, the pieces to. To, to control the game. It'll be super interesting, I think, if England get an early goal um, because they haven't, they actually haven't come up against a team that's been able, that's been able to, to apply any real kind of pressure to them. Like Croatia weren't really interested. They, you know, they, their game was going to be like, let's, let's try and dominate the ball and then, you know, sort of create opportunities through that. But Germany have like done quite a good job of, of really turning the screw. Like if you think about the Portugal game, you know, where Germany were for the first 20 minutes, like completely on top, completely on top, like Portugal scored, but Germany were just like knocking the door down or trying to. Um, I, I think England's defence hasn't come up against a situation like that yet. But, it, you know, simultaneously, while it's a, obviously a, a greater threat, it also gives England many more opportunities on the counter. And like Germany, you know, if you have, if you have Sterling, Saka running at, or Sancho or whoever it is, running at that German back three, I would be confident that England can nick a goal on the break. Mm, yeah, definitely. How much do you remember of Serge Nabry at Arsenal? Honestly, very little. I think he scored against a goal against Swansea. I remember Serge Nabry more for like lots of pictures of him looking really sad on the West Brom bench. <laughs> as like Tony Pulis 
just hated him. That was such a that was such a sh- just shocking piece of just ma- personal management of like all round like from the Arsenal side as much as anything else. Like I, I, you know, so Tony Pulis, he did what Tony Pulis does, but like that was very poor from an Arsenal side of just like people management and to take a very kind of like business view of it, like just in terms of like an asset investment of having this footballer. Just what are you doing? Like they, they just completely fucked that up, and I think that you still see the repercussions of that now where Arsenal have a, you know, a much more developed and football clubs in general have a much more developed loan system where you have these like loan managers and they're much more systematic about where a player goes to and whether that's the right fit for their career development and everything like that. But yeah, I think Serge Nambry is, is definitely a sore one for Arsenal fans. Yeah. But I mean, the, obviously the Spurs by Munich game is like the most hideous reminder of how good someone, I guess how, how, like, how if you're if you're that if you're that quick and you're that good at dribbling and if you're just like in a confident mood and you just get good service like it, it was literally unstoppable it was like I don't know that was just one of the best individual performances I've ever seen um, but him for this Germany team there were a couple of times in the first game against France where him Muller and Havertz obviously it's good that like they're all able to kind of move around but it didn't seem like it was clicking in the same way as it did against against Portugal and I wonder like if I'm if I from an England England perspective defensively I think if Nabry's the player who looks to try and run in behind and and that coupled with maybe some runs from the wing backs too I don't know if I've if I like the idea of Maguire having to come out and pick, if it's Maguire who plays, um, which I think it, it might well be, I think that he might say, Tyra Mings, you've done, done your job, fantastic. You've had your, had your two games, didn't put a foot wrong, but, but Maguire's back. I don't know if I like the idea of Maguire having to step out and deal with Muller and Havertz and, um, or Sane. I, I, yeah, that, that makes me feel a bit, a bit worried. I think England will play fairly deep, though. Like as they, their defense has been fairly deep in the in the first couple of games. I don't think there'll be a huge amount of space in behind for Nabry to to exploit. He's but Nabry's been had he's had quite a quiet tournament so far. But I think he's been quite a good foil for for Harvards because he tends to pull people around a little bit. And Harvards has got this quite good tendency to just sort of pop up and then like. I think if you look at Harvard's distance that he's scored the goals from, they're probably like really, really, really short. Like he's scored most of them are basically like tap-ins, but he's been quite good and been in the right place at the right time. And Muller is obviously instrumental for Germany, but Sane, when he played the other day, but like because Muller had a, had a slight injury, Sane was awful, like really awful. So I think that there is a question mark about how England play and set up at the back, but I'm actually less worried about that piece of things. Mm, okay and what's the Muller injury because he he was he didn't start against Hungary and then there was just like all of a sudden he was it was like he was like a I don't know like a Beyblade or a yo-yo when he was warming up on the side he's such a funny guy he's, he's so weird um I think he had a slight knee injury from what I understand it's always a little bit difficult to know in tournament football whether someone is like how injured they are because I think they also just get like injected full of stuff that that pushes them through you know the next 90 minutes basically and you never really know whether that would be like is that a two-week injury in like a normal Premier League or Bundesliga season or like what what kind of level of um, severity is it I have no idea yeah we'll see Uh, let's talk about Leon Goretzka then because he is the, the, the if you if you were to think about, okay, what, what do we want a midfielder to be able to do between Cruz, Gundogan, uh, Goretzka and Kimmich, you've kind of got pretty much, I'd say you've got most things covered. You maybe don't have someone who can like retrieve the ball in the same way that like France do obviously with, with Kante. Um, but you've kind of got most things covered. Um, <laughs> how 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 good a chance do you think he has of starting against England? I'd be really surprised if he starts actually because I think that Germany's system doesn't have space for him because he is a more advanced midfielder. Um, and I think that I think Love will be like 
quite conservative about keeping keep, keeping Cruz and Gundogan together because it just allows them to deploy like the the Kimmich and Gulzan so wide. I would be really surprised if Goretzka start, starts. I think he's like, I think if you look at the Germany bench, it's actually not very strong. I think that you know it's your goal threat is basically you've got you've got Timo Werner, you've got Goretzka, you've got Kevin Volland, um, and you've got Muziala. Those are like the players that Lev has to bring on. So I think that I'd be really surprised if Goretzka starts. I think it would be much more likely he, that he's the weapon off the bench. Yeah, the uh, I'm just watching back his uh, the equaliser against Hungary. He's just he's such a. It's not that he's like he's not a unique player. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like that we've had midfielders like that before who are like kind of big and like obviously strong. And I think when was it Champions League final? where so much, or last year, where so much was made of just, like, physically how, like, big, just he's just, just a big guy. But there's mm-hmm. definitely, you, you watch him and you're, like, you're, like, different. Like, are you, are, are you, I don't know, I don't think of him as, like, having the the tendencies or the qualities of a German central midfielder. And maybe that's just because I'm so used to Cruz, who's just, like, short passes, control, control, long pass, and now get forward and control the game. But he's definitely, he's definitely a, a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, I think he's definitely got the the slight like chaos factor thing of he's he's got like a little bit of the Lampard or Ramsey thing where they they will take risks by just like Ramsey's going beyond and leaving a big space in the midfield because they're so obsessed with that kind of like arriving late into the box and that's exactly what he did for that Hungary goal. Um, but that I think is exactly why he won't start because if you're playing Cruz who can't can't really run that much you're not going to play Goretzka alongside him and just vacate that space that England could move into. Yeah, yeah. Ramsey's actually a very, a very fun comparison. There's just like... Absolutely. When, when Josh was on, he was like, when Ramsey first came to Arsenal, he was just like so unclean technically. Like you would watch him and be like, this is just not... Yeah, just technically just not not as clean as he as he is now. Goretzka's got that kind of just sort of like uh, bumbling just like forward, but like he's there and he's, and, and he's here. Guys, I'm here, I'm here. Um, Redska's got such a like handsome farmhand vibe to him. So you think he's the best looking player in the tournament? Or maybe that was a bold statement. I do have like a, a top, a topless muscular picture that a friend <laughs> sent to me after he scored the winner. And we were, we were watching in the office. We were, uh, I think 10 people, 11 Germans and me. And uh, yeah, there was, it was so tense the atmosphere, but there was a lot of love for Goretzka after he scored that goal. Yeah, I bet. I do. I can sort of see it. He's got the, He's got the like, obviously he's got the build, he's got the frame, but uh, he's got the the kind of sharp features that are that are, that are very handsome. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm looking at a picture of him now, but it's it's probably just after the final whistle, so his hair's a bit all over the place. But I can I can see it. I can definitely see it. Um, I just pinged you a picture on WhatsApp that you can use as your screensaver. <laughs> is it that? Is it that? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's got. It, I mean, if you squint, it could be David Gandhi <laughs> without a beard. Yeah. Yeah, very hunky. Very, very hunky man. Maybe it's hunky rather than handsome. Right, yeah. Maybe he's in the I don't, I don't really distinguish between the two. I think I'm, I'm good with both. Okay, I think, they're, I think they're different things. We can, we can, we can do those things separately. Who, um, who for you is the most handsome man in the tournament, actually? Most handsome man in the tournament. I don't know. I need to properly sit down and think about this. Players that jump out to me. Tyra Mings in that first game we were watching. We were like, he's a, he's a good looking guy. Um, oh, what's his name for Italy? Uh, Locatelli. Very good looking. Mm. Very good looking. Nice. Yeah, those two. I'm not sure. I have to I have to do a proper deep dive. I'll do I'll do that maybe at the end of the tournament when we'll do we'll do player of the tournament and we'll do all that sort of stuff and we can do we can do the handsome 11. Were you surprised with how the Germany group games went? Because you said at the start it was like the expectation is like okay well if we get out the group then that's good but did you think they'd go like that? I I think the France game like Germans were quite after watching that they were quite down and I you know watching that as a sort of fairly um, sort of independent observer I didn't find that such a so bad for Germany it was kind of like you lost one nil to the best team in the world right? And I, I thought that that was like, okay. I mean, obviously, as in terms of points, not great, but in terms of performance, I didn't think it was terrible. 
I thought then the Portugal game clicked in, but it still showed how how soft an underbelly Germany have. That you know, like the the pass from Bernardo Silva was just was so good. That that counter attack was amazing from Portugal, but it wasn't just like it wasn't an especially intelligent counter attack. It just showed the Germany vulnerable. So I think, in t am I surprised? Like I didn't know that much about the German team before, like going into it. I haven't watched any of their their friendlies or anything. I think there's maybe been a, a surprise that they're they're quite as vulnerable as they are. There's definitely this like real shoot yourself in the foot kind of component to this team, which I think that you know doesn't fit in with necessarily the traditional narrative around German teams where they're just like they'll be quite boring, but maybe very effective in the early stages and then grind through and be maybe a bit more expansive in later rounds. They've had that thing, which has just made them them very, very vulnerable. And I think that that's going to be there through the tournament, even if they progress and something that teams can actually can actually pick on. Yeah, like they, they haven't been their like consistent machine, like you say, prototype, stereotype, have they? Like they've been like, not so good. Okay, but not so good against France. Then had some spells against Portugal where they were fantastic and then not so good against Hungary. So maybe England are in for uh, Germany at their best, which Germany at their best are going to be very, very good. And England have to be yeah. a lot better than they've been so far if they have any chance of winning that game. Yeah, it's going to be a completely different dy dynamic. I think, as I said before, I think it will be very interesting for England to be against a team that will push on much more because that will leave that counter-attacking opportunity. Um, and that, you know, it, it will also be interesting to see whether England, if England concede a goal, what are they going to do? It's that mindset, like they haven't been in this situation in the tournament. They haven't had to come back from behind. It's going to be a completely different dynamic. And I think we'll, we'll see a very different side of Southgate's management when England, if England go behind and how he has to deal with, with chasing a game or trying to bring that back. I think he seems like, quite a conservative manager which is not necessarily a bad thing in in the kind of international stage but you know at what point if Germany is winning 1-0 after 70 minutes will Southgate go for it like gung-ho or what will his approach be because um, Germany can't just sit back then I don't think that they I don't think it's in the nature of this team uh, this Germany team to then sit back you know it, I just don't think that that will really work they also don't have the defensive solidity that they that they used to. So I think there's an opportunity for England either way. It depends how kind of gung-ho Southgate is willing to be if England are behind. Yeah. Uh, in 2016 and 2018, Spurs had loads of young players in the England squad. In 2021, Arsenal have Bukayo Saka, the chosen, the chosen son, the prodigal son, 19-year-old. Every time he plays, he gets man of the match. How fun is that to watch him as an Arsenal fan? Oh, it's so good. It, he's, su he's such an incredible talent. Like Watching him this season for Arsenal, which was such a, such a shit season, um, he was really like the, the single shining light. Like He's got something about him which is just, it's a bit of a cliche, but he just like wants it. And he's like willing to take people on and, and drag the team up with him. And I think it's not, <clears throat> it's not necessarily a characteristic that you associate with England players or England teams. That idea of like, the chips are down, give me the ball, I'm just going to do something. I think that that's actually super exciting. And I think that if he doesn't start against Germany, I think that's actually a bit of a shame um, because I think he could really, I think he could really contribute both offensively running in behind, but also with his ball control and also defensively, like matching up probably would be like supporting against Gozans on the, on the right-hand side for England. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because going into the tournament, I... Well, possibly wrongly, given how well he played against Czech Republic, but I was like, well, he's listed as a as an attacker, so straight away in my head he's below Rashford, Sterling, Sancho, and I don't, yeah, I just wasn't sure how how many minutes he was going to get. Foden was an attacker as well, I think, on that list, and yeah, but he he of of all those, well, Sterling's been phenomenal not just with the goals just like everything he does it just seems to be really good but he just he he is I don't know and I, I've, I can't remember I think it was when I went to I've seen Neymar play twice and also uh when uh Nabry played against Spurs if every time someone gets the ball they try and run at you that is just 
hectic chaos is horrible to have to deal with someone who's just like well I'm going to try and commit someone and beat them like whenever whenever he's on the ball and it's just such a valuable trait and asset for any team to have a player like that he does it with such intelligence that's the, I, I think what's so amazing is that he's he's capable of doing that being so direct but not doing it with his head down and then can easily beat someone and and then his decision making is I think incredible and and very very mature as well like he can then go with his right foot cut inside shoot play a good quality pass through cross it I think all of that he brings actually so much and and is a different kind of option than someone who's just going to be super direct I mean I have to personally admit like I've watched very little of Jaden Sancho who had an incredible season for Dortmund obviously I think it was 16 goals 20 assists but I mean I don't know you tell me with Sancho is he capable of like that level of sort of footballing intelligence, so to say, or is it more that Sancho is like raw and more dynamic and uh, I don't know, more, more aggressive? Like, which, what do you think is the difference there? I think Sancho, I think if Sancho had played more, we'd be saying all this stuff about him. I think it's, <laughs> it, whatever, Southgate sees them all in training and Josh is very big on that. Like, we don't know what the coach is coaching. We don't know what they're, doing away from like all we see is what's we all we see is the match and what's on what's on tv it is a bit it's a real shame that he hasn't played more because he could absolutely be doing the best things that Saka's done and could probably be giving us things that you expect like Foden to sort of do like that moment that Foden had where he cut inside and hit the post after that was really early in the game wasn't it I think Sancho could have could have given us some some stuff like that and if he'd started he probably could have had a game he could have impacted the game in the same way that Saka did and would therefore we'd be saying okay well Sancho has to play or maybe not has to play in the way that we're saying Saka has a really good case to start we'd be saying Sancho has a really good case to start does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah do you think for for Southgate it's a, a must to have sort of inverted wingers in so far as having like a, a left-footed player on the right and a right foot player on the left do you think that's a a reason that Sancho maybe hasn't got more opportunities. Yeah, potentially. Again, I don't know. I don't know if I saw too much of that. The, the most that I've seen it happen was when Grealish played on the left, and Grealish does that thing where he does those touches where he's like kind of on the corner of the box, and he'll do those like inside of the foot with inside of his right foot touches moving to his left, and then he does a touch with the outside of his right foot, and then he plays a pass to his left. And when it was, I think it was Shaw who was playing left back, then you can see why it works. So it's like, you know, play, right foot player comes inside, left foot player goes on the outside. Then you saw it there. I don't know, I don't know how much of a of a of a big thing it is. I guess with with you know, Sterling arrived at the back post for his goal. That was Grealish crossing with his left foot from the left. So maybe not necessarily a big deal that that um it was a right foot or on the left. The Sterling goal in the first game was like a run inside kind of through the middle wasn't it of off, off that Calvin Phillips pass so so potentially um but I don't know I don't know if you'd I don't know if you'd say like in the way that like there's been times for City where it's been really really clear that he won't play you know Mares plays on the right Sterling plays on the left or Bernardo Silva plays on the right where it's like very clearly left foot coming in coming in coming in I don't know if it's to that extent for England mm. Um, but potentially we'll see fuck I just really I really want England to be good even if England lose you just want them to be good and be fun and to actually see Declan Rice passing forwards and Calvin Phillips doing what he did against Croatia where he's just like I've played murder ball with Bielsa for ages like I'm here I'm here for this you know I hope Kane has a good game I think there's a legitimate case not to start him which is just to think that we'd be saying that before the group stage is just ludicrous but he just hasn't really been in the games has he yeah but I thought he was better I, I watched the highlights again of the Czech Republic game and I think he's unlucky not to get that goal where he cuts back inside yeah um and it's a good save by the keeper I think the narrative in, in a tournament like that is, is so um dictated by very small moments like that if he scores then it's like oh Kane's you know off to his start golden boot is still in sight blah 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 I think that I'd be really surprised if Rashford does start ahead of him. I think, or I mean, I don't think it will be Calvert-Lewin um, either. I think, you know, Kane's not playing amazingly, but I think he still is a good option for England.
Yeah. I think if I was to predict the 11, I think it's probably Pickford. I think it's Pickford, Shaw or Trippier. Then Maguire, Stones, Walker. Oh, I really hope it's Rice over Henderson. I think it's probably the same. You know what? I think it's probably the same team that played against Croatia, but maybe Saka over Foden. Mm -hmm. Why would you play Rice over Henderson? I think Rice is as good as anyone at uh, like controlling the midfield. Mm. He stops. He stops counter attacks really, really well. He's like good enough and big enough that he can go and get the ball and protect it. There's, I, I think there's real value in someone who's like captain of West Ham at 21 and like has a big responsibility for their club and comes into the England team with like loads of like attacking weapons and options ahead of them and who just like is is comfortable being the you know, doing doing those little things. He doesn't have to be man of the match for England to play well, for England to win. And it's not to say that Henderson can't do that. It's just Henderson hasn't played. Rice has been playing non-stop. Yeah. It's always a bit weird when a player, like, will have just not been playing and then come back into the into the team for the tournament. Like, when they've, they've been out for a few months, it always seems like a very bizarre thing to do. It's, like, such a crucial game. I think to play Henderson would be would be quite, quite risky, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... He he got forty. He get forty five minutes against Czech Republic. Forty five, yeah. I mean, he's probably he's probably is fit enough to do it, and he's obviously great. Like he is, he is fantastic. I just I just think Rice gives you. I think just I think I just think Rice is a better player. Basically, I think Rice is better, and he's in mm -hmm. better form, and he's been playing more. And so you'd have you'd have uh, you'd have Phillips next to him rather than Bellingham. I'd love to see. I'd. I'd I'd love to see Phillips and Bellingham with Rice and you say we're really going to try and take control of midfield and Rice uh, is like the deeper one and Phillips can go forward like he did against Croatia. Bellingham can do everything that you want a midfielder to do and uh, and then you have your front three. You have Kane coming a little bit deeper if you want him to to like take up those positions kind of behind Cruz uh, and Gundogan and then you have Saka and Sterling running in behind they can both run onto the ball you can play the ball into their feet yeah I think that's the way to go mm -hmm. you touched on um, Gary Neville's like sort of predicted lineup or suggested lineup earlier do you think there's any chance thing that will play the the three sort of three four three there probably is a chance I'm sure there's an element uh, in the back of Southgate's mind which is like we've played a back three before and it's worked We've got the players to do it. Like we've got the, the the personnel. We can have very, very clear, definitive, distinctive one v one matchups everywhere. Um, so I think it. I think it is possible. I think it is possible. Um, I wouldn't rule it out. Like I do. I do. I do like the idea of having a team that are versatile and flexible and have players who understand how to play. You know, variations on a position, and also like game planning for an opposition is is important. And it's good. Like I would, I would hope that it's at least being discussed. Basically, even if they decide against it, at least exploring the possibility of oh, if we're going to do it, this is how it might look. Mm. I think if England do go for that, I'd I'd much prefer to see Saka deployed as the left wing back than I would to see Shaw because I think I've been so underwhelmed by Shaw. I'd rather see Chilwell play ahead of Shaw. I think Shaw always. I, I just think he he doesn't really offer that much. He never looks like he's that good technically either he never looks like he's that sound on the ball mm -hmm. um and he seems like against scotland he was incredibly conservative apart from that one opportunity where he somehow sort of found himself in the box and then shanked it wide um but i yeah i'd be interested to see if england go with that i think it maybe would be too adaptive of england to change the formation but maybe that's like a very old school way of looking at it yeah how mad that saka can just play right wing or left wing back he can almost play goalkeeper. I think he's, he's, so, he's just unbelievable. So amazing, so amazing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Chilwell, God, after after Champions League final, I was like, him and James have to start for England. And 
yeah just I mean the Billy Gilmore isolation thing is just a bit ludicrous in itself but I yeah I don't see a chill I really really don't think Chilwell's gonna play so so no. we'll see Saka's done enough to just like not quite the level of like do whatever you can to get him in the team but like he's a really really good option to play there so maybe he'll play there yeah hard to drop I think yeah yeah um do you want to do prediction or not I'll just say that like Germans, I think are quite are quite pessimistic about this. I think they they feel quite pessimistic about the game. I think England will. I think if England win, they'll win like one nil, or two one. I think maybe maybe. No, actually, I'm going to change that. I think England will win two nil. I think England will get a goal early. There'll be like an absolute onslaught from Germany, and England will somehow somehow see it off, and then like really late in the game like Rashford or Sancho will be on just as this like outlet ball and England will nick a goal okay nice we'll go with that a 2 what do you think uh, yeah I like the sound of that I think probably England concede their first goal um, hopefully not but maybe in some sort of like Pickford Maguire mix up and Havertz like steps in between them and has a tap in and then maybe potentially Kane Kane scores a penalty to make it 1-1 and then England score a like a, a well worked a well worked second goal maybe not dissimilar to one of the Germany goals against Portugal where they like work it in the middle switch it out first time cut back and one of the one of the wingers gets gets it gets in for for a tap and make it 2-1 um, but i'm excited yeah. um, it's going to be it's going to be fun and uh, this tournament's just it's living up to expectations I think it's good it's good I'm a bit disappointed that the game is at um five o'clock or six o'clock here on Tuesday because it does it's not quite as lively as when you've got like the evening kickoff I already had to move two meetings that I had scheduled for that time <laughs> so I was like I was like this is not happening one of them's an interview and I was like yeah I have to reschedule that sorry interview's not happening there <laughs> well enjoy the game send me some pictures from Berlin Will do, mate. We'll be watching in the office uh, where we've got the projector. So it'll be uh, me and mostly Germans, I think. Um, so that'll be a little bit tense. Um, my relationship is on the line. So let's see about that one. <laughs> uh, well, we'll, che- we'll check in after the game and hopefully your relationship and your company are still intact. Fingers crossed. Mate, thanks, thanks for having me. It was lovely to be on. My pleasure.